the FT. Last year's emergency budget was about rescuing the nation's finances and paying for the mistakes of the past. Today's budget is about reforming the nation's economy so that we have enduring growth and jobs in the future. And it's about doing what we can to help families with the cost of living and the high price of oil. Hello and welcome to this FT Budget podcast with me, Sarah Neville. A budget for making things, not making things up. So began George Osborne as he set out his stall for encouraging growth and stabilising the UK's economy. Mr Osborne's task was one no Chancellor would ever choose, to deliver a budget in tough economic times with little leeway for the traditional feel-good budget giveaways. So just how did he fare? To answer this question and more, I have with me Chris Cook, the FT's education correspondent, Martin Sandbrew, the FT's economic leader writer, and Matthew Vincent, editor of FT Money. Chris, can I come to you first? Before today's statement, the Treasury was describing this as a budget for growth, stability and fairness. It's quite a billing. Did the budget live up to it? I don't think it did, really. I mean, this is a budget that takes place against some of the most awesome events imaginable for an economics ministry to have to consider. We don't know what's going to happen in Japan. We don't know what's going to happen with commodity prices. The European debt crisis hasn't gone away. This is an era of extremely grand themes and mega risks. And yet it was uh, tremendously sort of village pump politics. It was very micro-measured. If you close your eyes and apply a Scottish accent, there's a real touch of Gordon Brown to this budget. And yet there was some quite grandiose language from Mr Osborne. He actually sent a message out to the rest of the world, to Shanghai and Seattle, that Britain is open for business. As long as you don't want to actually come here and get through our visa regime, you know. It's not a wholly convincing story. The university sector seems to have got a good deal, but... The future of that visa regime is going to be a real difficulty for international companies that want to come here. We're already having these sort of silly situations, people coming for 11 months to avoid coming for a year so they don't show up on the statistics and that kind of thing. The government thought up this policy on the back of an envelope a couple of years ago. Uh, They didn't think it through. It's a net immigration target, which means that it's all immigration to the UK, including the EU immigration, and all emigration none of which it controls. It only controls the students and only controls the non-EU immigrants. So companies that want to bring in Americans or Indians are really at risk. The visa regime is a real dent in any claim the government has to being a party that's open for world business. Turning the focus back closer to home, do you feel that Mr Osborne did anything to address the sense that these cuts and this austerity programme is hitting the north harder than the south? Well, I think the government's very keen to talk about manufacturing, which is a something that's traditionally been stronger, historically I should say, been stronger in the north than in other regions, the lands of the dark satanic mills. But it's been a while since they were running and... Um, any cuts to public services will inevitably weigh on the poorer regions of the UK, particularly the North East and Northern Ireland and uh, Scotland and Wales. And he's, he's very conscious and clear that he wants to send the message that everyone's doing their bit. We had this bank levy that's offsetting the corporation tax, so the banks don't get a corporation tax cut. We got some new hate figures in the form of the oil companies yes. who are being hit to keep uh, the petrol price rise down. Exactly. And the 50p tax breakers, you know, he said he's, he's against it, but is keeping it for the time being. So there's a sort of, the all, we're all in it togetherness he was keen on. But I don't think anyone watching that in, sort of, on side would have thought, you know, this is someone who's 
taken aboard the fact that we may be about to lose a very large chunk of the out- local output. Frankly, I, I think if you were inclined to like the government, you'll come away still liking the government, and if you're disinclined to like the government, you still dislike the government. Martin, can I turn to you? Looking beyond all those micro-measures that Chris was talking about, what more did we learn about the overall health of the UK economy? Well, there are two things. One is that the outlook for the economy looks slightly worse than it did in the autumn. And a big part of that really has to do with the lousy fourth quarter of last year. So the growth forecasts for this year and next year have been adjusted down a little bit by the Independent Office for Budget Responsibility. But as you know, they don't think that the permanent growth rate, trend growth of the economy has been damaged. So they think that that will basically be caught up with towards the end of the period. The other thing is about what the government is going to do in its deficit reduction plan, and then there's no change whatsoever. But that's really what we expected. There was, however, quite a large rise in borrowing, wasn't there, which obviously does give ammunition to Mr Osborne's critics to say that the consolidation is already going off track. How fair is that criticism, do you think? I I don't think it's very fair. That is really a function of the the shortfall in growth that's just happened, simply that growth was a bit lower than anyone thought. I mean, it was negative, actually, in in the previous quarter. So that just means fiscal public finances will be worse. But they're staying on track... And so the additional borrowing is, it's best to see it, I think, simply as the, it's just the effect of that bad quarter and, and the, uh, the knock-on effect on growth in the following couple of quarters. You don't think the assumptions that the OBR is making are too heroic about the potential impact of inflation on medium-term growth? I don't think they're any more heroic than, than they used to be. Good economists know that they really don't know what's going to happen. So I think they're as good as, as anyone's. Uh, and the way to interpret that those extra borrowing figures, the course is the same as it was. It's just that you're getting that extra every year because of the shortfall last quarter. Matthew, can I finally turn to you? This was being described as a Robin Hood budget earlier this week, with lots of alliterative talk of Learjet levies uh, and the like. How heavily have the rich actually been hit? I think it's more a case of how heavily the the rich were hit in pre-announced measures, which are coming in from April. We know that well, even sort of middle-income earners are being dragged into 40% tax, you know, up to three-quarters of a, a million of them. We already know that high earners are having their personal tax allowance tapered down to nothing. So the announcement of the, of the additional increase to the personal allowance is absolutely meaningless to higher earners. There's going to be a lot of focus, I imagine, on lower earners benefiting from this increase in the, the personal allowance, another one uh, from April 2012. I suppose the the most interesting thing for me was the fact that there was an allusion to to no more people being dragged into higher rates of tax, so-called fiscal drag. So increasing the thresholds of higher rate tax in line with inflation will at least reduce that impact. The same thing perhaps was apparent in what Mr Osborne said about non-DOMs, where he did announce somewhat toughened regime for them, but made it absolutely clear that that was going to be it for the lifetime of this parliament. Again, he seemed to be anxious to provide stability for the richer people in the UK. Yes, I mean, stability is one of those sort of words that kept uh, kept cropping up. I, I think the overall watchwords from the sort of personal taxation point of view would be simplicity as well as stability. Let's, let's get these rules simplified, you know, 49 tax allowances 
printers are going to be abolished. They'll be the ones that aren't used that much. Um, there was talk, of course, about the uh, the merger of income tax and national insurance. Don't expect any detail on that for uh, for a long time because it's, it could be a deeply unpopular measure. It would increase the basic rate of taxation to around 28%. And, of course, much higher for those on higher earnings. In fact, we're already, from April, going to be in a a situation where higher earners will be facing deductions of 52% combined tax and national insurance. This is for people earning £150,000 or more. So we're already at the stage where higher earners are paying the majority of their of their income to the government in, in one way or another. So I think anything that simplifies what we already have and confirms to well, both high earners in the UK and uh, obviously non-DOMs, what the score is going to be, will probably be welcome, painful though it might be. Turning to the practicalities, how would you advise listeners to look at mitigating the effects of some of these measures? Two rather sort of eye-catching tax incentive measures for sort of private individuals. I think the most valuable potentially is the expansion of the enterprise investment scheme. This is the scheme for investing in small growth companies. Uh, the rules used to be had to be a, a very small company, gross assets of uh, no more than seven million pounds, fewer than fifty employees. You could put in up to five hundred thousand pounds and get twenty percent tax relief. Big expansion. Now you get you can get thirty percent upfront tax relief, as well as capital gains tax benefits and inheritance tax benefits. But the limit on how much you can invest has gone to a million, and this is coming in at exactly the same time as higher earners' pension contributions will be capped at fifty thousand a year. An opportunity there. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, Chris, Martin and Matthew. For full budget coverage, news analysis and video, go to ft.com forward slash budget. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.